It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. Let me stay on the topic of uh, weather because this cold spell that we were experiencing right across the uh, weekend is set to pass uh, today and uh, tomorrow for example is going to be a much milder day but some people woke at the weekend to snow and wherever we get snow we go absolutely nuts. My social media feed was full of photographs of people out in the snow and children building snowmen and having snowball fights and it was such a joy. It's so gorgeous to watch small children out in the snow and even in today's papers there's terrific photographs of uh, people out enjoying uh, the blanket of snow that we experienced. Not all, I, I certainly, where I was, we didn't get any snow, but some parts of the country seem to got it heavier than others. And then, of course, you've got the hardy, brave uh, souls, including a gentleman by the name of Tom McAuliffe, who uh, is pictured in today's exam, and a picture taken by Dan uh, Lenahan. Uh, he is having an early morning swim at Claycastle Beach in Yall over the weekend, and uh, he's a, he has a little woolly hat on uh, to keep him warm. You look at the photograph and you start to shiver but the Irish Times beats it all with their front page picture which is taken off the bull wall in Dublin and it's actually snowing when the photograph is taken and the photograph is taken at an area of Bull's Wall in Dublin where there's a ladies bathing shelter and just underneath the ladies bathing shelter I'm assuming the girls are going down steps to go into the sea and there they are in their swimsuits and they're heading off to have a little bit of a dip in what must have been absolutely freezing uh, conditions but great photographs of snowy scenes in all of the papers today and can I also start the show by giving the nod to all of our Scottish listeners or any listeners of Scottish heritage because today is a special day today is Burns Night and today Today is the day that Scottish people annually celebrate the life of the 18th century Scottish poet Robert Burns and today would have been Robert Burns' uh, birthday and uh, Scottish people today for example they toast the haggish and on Burns night they eat uh, potatoes and turnips and haggis and they wash it all down with a dram of a whiskey. So happy Burns night to anyone of Scottish heritage listening to us today and actually there's a picture 
of Neil Grant, who's joined us on many occasions on the programme, the Scottish manager at the Celtic Ross Hotel, wearing his kilt and his spurren and looking very Scottish, holding one of the Finnish at home Burns Night Haggis suppers that they were selling at the Celtic Ross Hotel. So happy Burns Night uh, to Neil Grant down in Roscarbury. Now, John Paul's taking your calls at 1850-333-103. You can text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. And mandatory quarantining. And whether we need to have mandatory quarantining in this country and people would say we're talking about it a little bit too late. We have allowed too many people to come into this country and unfortunately come into this country with COVID. Nobody enters the country deliberately knowing they had COVID but unfortunately people were spreading the COVID, didn't realise they had it and then it was too late. We now have the UK strain which is now more prevalent in this country than the original strain was and everybody is worried about the Brazilian strain. Will that arrive in this country? What about the South African strain? And I have I have never seen, as I saw at the weekend certainly on social media, so many people saying, come on government mandatory quarantining you you have to do it. You have to bring it in for people travelling into this uh, country. What the government, it, it looks like that they're looking at is they will introduce mandatory quarantine for anyone who arrives in this country who doesn't have proof of being COVID-19. Uh, also, there's much talk about tighter n- now north-south border COVID checks all going to be considered by the government ministers today and tomorrow. Uh, Some papers are saying that the government likely now to bow to pressure for new rules on quarantining. The COVID-19 ministers, this is the subcommittee that they have, they will meet today and they are going to try to recommend a strategy which would boost the trend of lowering virus numbers and ease what is now near breakpoint pressure on our hospitals. But of course the major stumbling block remains How do we deal with people travelling in from Northern Ireland who could seriously undermine any government plans here in Dublin, which would oblige people landing here to either have a certificate to say that they had a, they haven't they got a negative COVID test in the previous 72 hours. And if they don't, then they go into quarantine. That's of no use if we are not stopping people travelling into Northern Ireland. We know before Christmas when they stopped flights coming to Cork and Dublin and Shannon, we know that there was a huge number of people who instead flew to Belfast and then either hired a car or a family member went up and uh, collected them. So unless we look at doing something with the border and I'm not in any way saying that this is going to be an easy situation but something needs to be done. We know that Micheál Martin uh, has spoken with the UK Prime Minister Boris Johnson over the weekend about trying to have a two-island joint approach to the issue of people travelling in overseas. Something like that is going to have to be brought in. We know things in the situation in the UK is worse than it even is in this country so they're, they're going to need to get a handle on on it uh, as well. Micheál Martin was speaking, did a lot of interviews over the weekend and he says mandatory quarantining of up to five days may be considered for people who arrive in Ireland and if they don't have a negative COVID test, a test that they would have taken 72 hours uh, previously. But then there's others within the government are pointing out that medical experts rarely view a five-day quarantine as sufficient and many will insist that it is a 14-day 
quarantine is what you need whether you have a negative test result or not I heard a lot of medics over the weekend saying even people arriving in with a negative COVID test that they'd taken in the last 72 hours really isn't worth the paper it's written on because it's only a snapshot in time. I heard one medic saying you could have a test done on Wednesday and then three days later, the Saturday, you decide to board a plane. But what happens, you get your negative test on Wednesday, but what happens if you pick up COVID on the Thursday, the Thursday, the Friday or the Saturday or when you're travelling, you pick it up. You arrive into a, into Ireland, you've got the negative test and everybody thinks you're fine and you're actually, you're not fine. You think you've done everything uh, right and that's why other countries, the countries that have been successful at keeping COVID away, they insist that everyone who gets off a plane, whether they have a negative COVID test or not, are simply frog marched into a quarantine hotel and they remain there for 14 days. And during that 14 days, they're obviously uh, te- tested quite a lot. Anyway, there's a lot going to be discussed at this cabinet meeting uh, tomorrow for sure. And obviously they will take the advice from the COVID-19 subcommittee, which will be meeting today and obviously what's also going to be decided at that meeting and will be announced uh, tomorrow is an extension of Level 5. I think nobody thinks that we're coming out of Level 5 on the 1st of uh, February. Seemingly they're also going to examine whether to intensify checks on people who are quarantining at home after travel to make sure that they're quarantining. If they don't go down the mandatory quarantining route then they have to start checking up on people who are told that they need to quarantine or are told to limit their movements people have been coming into this country and not staying at home they've been they've been told they should be staying at home but they're not and the reason that they're not is they're not being checked up on so if we stay with this not forcing people to go into some kind of a quarantine hotel then i think the only other way is to make sure that everyone who does get off a plane is regularly checked up on and that they are going for additional tests if that is what is required of them. But we certainly need to have some kind of an all-island approach to COVID-19 because if we don't, what we decide to do, we could completely close down Dublin, Cork, Shannon, all of the airports, close down all of the ports except bringing freight and cargo in and then that's not going to be worth anything if Northern Ireland are allowing people in and then we're allowing people to cross over the uh, border. And you know, I was thinking about this at the weekend, we're sort of back, you know, yet again where on our island people are dying because we just can't get a communal and political Approach. We can't get everyone to sit down and decide for once and for all that we need to look at this in an all-island approach. And I was reading a really good piece by Alan Shatter in, I think it's the Independent, I read it in uh, today, where he's just, you know, talking about what's going on in this country and how we need an all-island approach. But he's liking, not likening it, but he's talking about, you know, what we've battled in this country with the troubles. And the troubles, you know, we had very dark days of the troubles in this country that went on for... Uh, uh, 30 years and in that 30 years 3,600 people in Ireland lost uh, their lives and he is looking at those figures and then looking at the number of people that have died in the last 11 months on this island from uh, COVID and over 1,500 people more people have died in the 11 months from COVID than died during the entire 30 years of the uh, Troubles. We just so need to have some kind of an all-island approach. So let's see what comes out. Don't know if we'll hear much will come out from the COVID committee meeting today, but it's tomorrow we'll be waiting when the Cabinet uh, meets.
meets. And of course, whenever we talk about mandatory quarantining and whenever we talk about how other countries have done it and how other countries have succeeded, any any person that has relatives either living in New Zealand or Australia will all say their lives have almost returned to normal because of the way they handled COVID-19. And of course, one of the main things that both Australia and New Zealand did and still do anyone coming into the country must go into a quarantine hotel and you have to stay there for uh, two uh, weeks. Well, listen to this. This happened at the weekend. New Zealand have been almost COVID-free. Certainly they've been COVID-free in the community now for, for many, many months. And because of that, life has all but returned to normal there. There was one, this was a thread on Twitter that I spotted by somebody actually living in the States but has connections in New Zealand to say that there was one COVID case on Saturday in uh, New Zealand. The patient was somebody who had actually returned from Europe. They had gone into 14-day managed isolation to one of these hotels. So they did that for the 14 days and then they left, sent back home. But somehow, five days after coming out of the 14-day quarantining, they presented with uh, symptoms. Because of that one case, at four o'clock yesterday afternoon, the New Zealand government COVID task force held a national press conference about the case just to tell everyone we have one case in the community. And they held a national press conference just for one case. Now, since this woman tested positive, they tested her husband. She was negative. All of her close contacts have been identified all of them have been uh, tested. Uh, and it's all those who were in the isolation hotel with her during the same period, who've since left, obviously, and gone home. They've all been contacted. All of them have been tested. They've been all told to self-isolate until their tests are uh, back. And then the patient, this one lady who tested positive after coming out of 14 days, she, her movements have been scrupulously recorded. And how how do they manage to do that? Well, it was very easy. They have a QR code everywhere that you scan your phone. So if she went into any shop, she would have scanned her phone. And even if you don't want to scan your phone, you just keep on your Bluetooth capacity. So they were able to track everywhere during that five days exactly where she has uh, been. So then they were able to contact everyone who had been in any place where she had visited. Anyone who obviously had their COVID tracker app on they were all informed that they may have been exposed and they were told to go and book in for a COVID test and to restrict their movements and then for fear that people may have come in contact with her who didn't have a mobile phone they have a COVID website where they gave a detailed listing of this woman's movements for the five days where she may have been shedding uh, COVID so that people could check in and then if they said yeah I was around that area at around that time that person could go off and get a COVID test and they did all of that for one COVID case in the community. They also go a step further. DNA typing is underway to identify the exact strain of the virus to locate precisely where this woman could have acquired the COVID-19. CCTV footage from during her managed isolation period in the 
hotel also being investigated because they're trying to find out is there any potential failure in the system uh, to allow the case uh, to get uh, out and they've done that all for one case. They really are serious in New Zealand and in Australia about keeping COVID-19 out. Now it's not to say that it's the only case of COVID-19 in New Zealand. They actually have 79 cases but all of those cases are in the managed isolation. They were people who came off planes, sent into the COVID, the quarantine hotels and they've been tested and as they were tested they came off the plane believing that they didn't have COVID-19 and then subsequently in quarantine they, they discovered that they have but that was the first case back in the community but the way they reacted to it was just incredible. Anne has contacted the programme to say her daughter who is working and living in London whose hu- husband is a doctor in a London hospital they have all of the proper PPE gear to prevent the spread of COVID within the hospital but in her Anne's daughter's workplace they, a colleague had to go home to Taiwan so she flew to Taiwan she was met at the airport as she got off the plane by security who took her to a hotel and she was quarantined for two weeks. Yeah, ta- Taiwan is a country certainly that has done well when it comes to stopping the spread of uh, COVID. Now she was able to work away while in quarantine in her hotel. She was able to work uh, remotely but she wasn't able to leave the hotel after the two weeks then she was allowed to go home uh, where she had to wear a mask in the house and remain in her home for another week. So Taiwan is really a three week quarantine two weeks in the hotel and then a week in your home place. No wonder they have low rates of COVID. Uh, that's in from Anne. Thank you for that. Anne. And by uh, text, uh, New Zealand would show us how to do it for sure. They are looking after themselves. They don't care about anybody else. They just care about their people and a lot of common sense is being used. That's what we're lacking in this country is a little bit of common sense. And this texter says all we now seem to be worried about is getting Shamrock to the States. And then Mick says, I live in a rural area of Cork. Over the past while This is according to Mick. Mobile bars are available for parties. Bars that are set up in at the back of lorries, cattle trailers, horse boxes. They drive they then drive to a shed in a rural area. Groups of anything from ten to well over one hundred people at, attend. Mick says, for example, he knows of a party at Christmas where twenty people attended, seventeen tested positive. Another party, seventy people attended, with fifty one positive cases out of that party. Are these cases notified as coming from a so called she bean, or are they simply reported? as house contacts. It's a disgrace. It's criminal. People need to speak out and call it out for what it is now. I saw on the weekend there was a she-bean the Gardaí uncovered a she-bean but that was in uh, Dublin and I saw photographs of it. it. It just looked like a bar. It was really well set up. You could see it. The only thing is they were using plastic glasses but they even had the peanuts hanging up behind the bar and they had every single drink that you could imagine all ready for sale. 1850 333 103. John Paul taking your calls. You can text her WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie. It was great to uh, start on a Monday with a little bit of good news and it does seem to be good news to hear that new arrangements have been introduced to ensure people who are facing long surgical waiting lists here can continue travelling to Northern Ireland to access treatment. West Corkdall Deputy Michael Collins who has organised many, many buses to take people to Belfast for treatment uh, joins me. Uh, good morning to you, Michael. 
Good morning, Patricia. Uh, and, and you're welcome. Now, th- this new scheme that was announced at the back end of last week, does it operate the same way as the old cross-border scheme did? Well, uh, to be honest with you, uh, well, it was announced last week. Uh, I've been on to Kilkenny both on Thursday, Friday and this morning who administered the, the rollout of the cross-border scheme. They haven't, they're still awaiting protocol as to what exactly uh, is, is is to be, um, I suppose, rolled out. But I think in fairness, and I'm cautiously optimistic, I'm very, very hopeful that it is a very similar scheme. Um, I did question uh, in the Dáil, uh, the Minister for Foreign Affairs, uh, Simon Coveney, on Thursday, uh, in, in in strong detail, and he, he said to me, if he's, he's clear understanding that patients requiring treatment for cataract hips and knees will have the ability to travel south, north, north, south um, with, with this new scheme. Now, he did say, and I didn't argue the point because I ran out of time, uh, he said that no deal like this could be put in place until after the Brexit deal. Well, I could have argued that point that there was two healthcare initiatives put in place um, in the advance of Brexit, and I felt that this should have been put in place in the advance of Brexit, but I don't mind when it's resolved as long as it is resolved. Yeah, but, but did, I, did I read it's only to operate for 12 months? That's the only worry I have now, in fairness. That's the biggest worry I have. First of all, um, I, well, I rang Kilkenny, uh, the, the, where they're administering the, the cross-border uh, scheme this morning. They told me, as, as I said, they're waiting protocol, but anyone who was on their, their system or who had a consultation done or who was booked in to go north prior to the to, to last year can go ahead uh, as per normal and get reimbursed. That's that's the first okay. uh, good, good news because up to, up to maybe if you rang them early last week, Absolutely nothing they could uh, clarify, and they, they wouldn't advise anybody travel. So that that that's clarified. So a lot of people have been in contact with me and others, uh, pleading with uh, were they sure, like they had uh, their consultation done, but they weren't sure could they go back and and get uh, the, the 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 surgery done and get reimbursed. That's sorted now. You, um, they're saying to me now in relation to new patients to send in um, any new patients that come along, and 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 as long as they have a proper pathway of referral that most likely it is okay, but that they are awaiting protocol. And I advise, and that's fair enough, that might happen in the next week, and I'd hope that that will. Now, the, the only downside is, yes, the 31st of the 12th, 2021, the scheme ends, and I'm very disappointed now because we spent the last, we spent September, October, November, December, and not me alone, but uh, other uh, TDs uh, fighting about the law. Even even last week, uh, I heard Mark um, McSherry, who can, who's well voiced for us when he gets going there and strips off the minister for help to, uh, to get going on the scheme, cross border scheme, because of scandals and people were waiting to go north. So, no, I hope we're not going to be in the same situation again uh, from September, October uh, this year, pleading with the minister, pleading with the government to put some proper scheme in. Scheme that is guaranteed for patients to go on our, uh, indefinitely going forward because we are going to be facing a situation, Patricia, when 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 uh, COVID nineteen has has ended, that you're going to have people that have been waiting for the last number of months and have their procedures put off. We're going to have a massive massive waiting list over the next couple of years, and there's no way the republic is going to cope with the demand. So there's so only more people option. will want to go north. Yeah, absolutely. Do you now have a waiting list for your bus? I have a lot. A large waiting list. Um, I had quite a lot of people who, uh, out of the worry of, of um, the scheme ending, uh, will say uh, October, November were ringing, will see even going up for hips, knees, a lot more. I think that would have maybe, <laughs> maybe it's not a nice word, but suffered on for a while until the beginning of this year. They knew there was a scheme in place and they had no worries, but they went up there frantically, especially in December with, 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 with hips and knees, and then were ringing me in January. Look, we've the consultation on are we going to be funded? Are we going to be in trouble? Even some people. Um, and I know some people told me, look, they're not going to take a chance and they, they actually uh, arranged for it to be done in Spain after they getting the start off of the process done in the north. 
but they're now guaranteed that they're okay. Um, I have a list of people awaiting cataracts. I, what I'm genu- the other side of it is on the unfortunate situation with COVID. I want to hold off on that, but I'm, I'm comfort- more comfortable now that we can hold off for another month, please God, and see that the, the COVID-19 cases are, are, are uh, the, the, the numbers are dropping and then we can uh, recommence the, the buses to Belfast. But yeah. there was a two-tier two issue there. The, 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 the situation with COVID-19 was a problem, but also the fact that we couldn't send them any because there was, there was no scheme in place. Yeah, yeah. I mean, COVID-19 definitely were travelling uh, across the, the border. I mean, I, I only opened the show by talking about mandatory uh, quarantining and we can bring in every kind of regulation we want here in the South, uh, Michael. But we, we now need an all-Ireland approach, don't we, when it comes to people flying in, in to this country or coming by boat? By by all means, I think the you know the mistake uh, we made in this in this uh, you know it's easy, easy to pinpoint mistakes. I respect that because it's hard to to control this way it is moving and the, and the movement of it. But our airports were always a worry and always a concern. And even going back to when Leo Bradley was teaching, it was one of the one of my leaders' questions that we need to put uh, testing units that have PCR tests done in the airport before people come into this country from the other side and both when they leave, leave this country that they're tested at all times. And unfortunately, that was never rolled out properly in this country. And I think it's coming at a very, very high high cost. And there's people coming in from all over the world, from different nationalities. And they're always most welcome here to Ireland because it's a lovely, uh, welcoming country. But at this time, we need to lock and seal our airports. And we haven't been able to do that. And you look at the population of New Zealand, uh, um, and you've been mentioned this morning, as others have been, they're having concerts out in their country because yeah, they're yeah. COVID free. And they've only a population similar to ourselves. And we're surrounded by water, and we can't seem to control our steel, our airports, our, our entities to some kind of control. But people told me that came in during the year that they were given farms, they did fill them up. Nobody ever contacted them, so there's no follow up, and there's no great interest along the line. And, then, and then we discovered last week that something like 47% of people refused to give an address, and that was it. And the Gardaí, even if you arrived, the Gardaí, without a COVID test, which you need to have at the moment, a negative COVID test, even though medics say that's not the worth, worth the paper it's written on, it still doesn't prove that you don't have uh, COVID. They reckon 40% of cases will be missed if you're just doing it on a negative COVID uh, test. But the guy, they have no powers to even stop somebody leaving the airport. They have no powers, um, first of all, Patricia. Uh, but then again, you have, you have to look at it another way. There's people uh, re- having to restrict their movement and are doing so at great difficulty, great stress, mental health issues and all that, because, and they can't move outside their fight game. But they can put on the radio, television every day of the week and they can see how many planes are flying in from all over the world yeah. into Ireland and there's no restrictions. And that's frustrating and it's annoying. And it's basically the government haven't got a grip and they must get a grip at our airport. And they should have done that in, in March, April, May, June. And, and, no wh- and what are you that. saying? A, f- a 14 day mandatory quarantine? It has to be. It has yeah. to be 14. And it's of no use to tell them that. It has to be carried out. And lo- the law that I know that Taoiseach said the other day that maybe we talk about five day quarantine and I'm afraid five days won't be enough. No, no, it's uh, got to be 14 days and and the person the person travelling into the country pays for it. So even if there'll be a little boost to local hotels anywhere near an airport because they pay for it. It's not that the government have to pay for it. That's how other countries do it. And they're pre-notified of this happening and and most people that that come into this country will do that but unfortunately we haven't been able to do that to date and you see the way things have exploded because people have come in unfortunately and they have different variants of 
of, 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 of uh, COVID-19 and it has spread and if, if New Zealand can do it in four, a population of 4.9 Ireland surely do it in a population and we're surrounded by water with a little over 4 million Okay deaths. and just you know, to, on a different topic while because I saw you comment on this uh, last Friday the with students are continuing uh, with remote learning uh, this week uh, a number of families having problems with broadband in West Cork Broadband and, and mobile phone coverage um, is, is a massive issue but broadband is was uh, in particular and I raised that with the Minister uh, for Education because I mean students are expected to be studying for their leaving cert and, and junior cert for that matter and, and, and at the same time unfortunately they, they don't have a, bro- a broadband service a very simple basic broadband service they do not have in whether it's Kilmagsbyman whether it's Jim Lee in uh, areas there's black spots uh, throughout West Cork and uh, unfortunately I've been a long time advocate of the, of the world's operator, uh, Patricia, because the, the national broadband scheme may or may not come to the home. You, I suppose everybody heard my question to the Tanishta on Thursday, asking him when, he says, between five and seven years. We can't wait five and seven years. These can't. But the wireless operator can provide a local service of 70 meg. And I begged and pleaded with the government, with the Michael Martin and previous teachers, uh, the to, and, and in the Kinney, for that matter, to start mini-funding the private wireless operator who can provide 70 megs to the home in what I call black spot. It's a small mass at the top of the hill that has beamed to the house. It's very simplified and it's doing out in communities of Wilson, well, Baltimore, Comhola, the Skull, you know, and, and, and they're brilliant operators out there. And the government are doing everything in their power not to fund these operators. Instead, they're talking about the 3 billion euro plan that's not happening. It's it, it, like, I see RT the other day running a, um, a program about it's happening somewhere in Carrigaline. Well, that's great, and I, I appreciate. It. I wish Carrigaline was down in Kilmacsime, where up to forty people have no uh, broadband coverage at all. So it's it's it's, um, it's a very poorly handled situation. The wireless operator could get a lot of people out of a lot of trouble, um, and 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 the government needs to concentrate on on providing small grants for that private operator to set up that base station and roll it out to the communities that don't have the broadband out there. Okay, all right. And um, after 11 today, we're going to have, we have a GP coming on about vaccines and I can see a load of questions uh, coming in for, from people about vaccination, people desperate to be vaccinated seems to be the thrust of the questions uh, coming in. Uh, home helps are finally being mentioned when it comes to vaccinations. Is that is that correct? Definitely, yes. Um, uh, the home helps, you know, it, it's a service, it's an incredible service going from door to door. You could be, home health might have to co- cover uh, 10 to 12 patients a day. And in some cases have to, you know, they have to provide an intimate care to provide, we say, many patients washing, changing patients. It, it, it doesn't allow two metre distancing. And they've been begging me to go home to get them off the list and, and, and pleading with me. And I've been pleading with the minister and pleading with the government uh, to have this offer to the home health. And I mean, you're talking about 1,000 elderly and vulnerable people in West Cork that are, uh, you know, receiving home health service and 350 home health. They needed to be in there at the very beginning. And I have to come in between the hospitals in West Cork. And I'll tell you why, Patricia, and I presume it's happening in other hospitals. Any leftover vaccines, the home health were called in and it was used up with the home health. Isn't that, that brilliant? It, Isn't that brilliant? it, was, it wasn't family members. It wasn't, thankfully, it wasn't any yeah, other well person done. other than home health people that actually were providing a very similar service to themselves they brought them in, but unfortunately, in, 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 in the situation that was got, there's only three or four spare vaccines, and we have 350 uh, home health going door to door. We need the, 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 the vaccine to be offered to them almost immediately, and the minister has promised me that he will, but the promises don't need to be acted on. Unfortunately, they can slip up, they slip up 
my worry about this COVID-19, there's an awful lot of announcements being made by ministers and ministers of education, minister of health, and then all of a sudden something happens. It's a lot of upset to people, so they have to be a bit more cautious in in, in, in their approach and into what they're announcing in public, because maybe sometimes it doesn't happen to, to, to realise itself. And it, it, it isn't always something, in fairness to them, that they have control over. I mean, the AstraZeneca uh, vaccine, which hopefully will get approval uh, this uh, Friday, uh, we know now that there's huge uncertainty over the volume of that vaccine, which was nothing that the government could have done about that. But that is going to delay the over 70s getting the vaccine. And I'm assuming the home helps as well then, will it? That is my worry. Yeah. Uh, when I heard that announcement o- over the weekend, yeah, because it's a real I worry. Discussion. I had was on, on Thursday, on Wednesday and Thursday in the doll with the minister. The minister was a bit more positive towards uh, the home health getting it in West Cork or wherever, in part, uh, anywhere in Ireland. Uh, and, and unfortunately, this announcement has come after us. But like, unfortunately, in this whole COVID thing, I think the minister will be a little bit more cautious because he's the minister now uh, saying that all, everybody will be vaccinated by September. That was before this. Announcement is that going to happen now? That's the that's the worry I have that it may not happen to those who want it. And uh, also, you know, we heard the minister of education there. Even though, in fairness, she's been very good uh, to a lot of uh, schools that needed funding, whatever she did make. You know, a lot of we've announcements in relation to disabilities. Announcements and she's making announcements in relation to leaving service. And unfortunately, you've seen what's happened with the disabilities in education. She's had to roll back in that. And I asked her on side the dog last week, could they, could they sit down around the table? Could they just make a full agreement before the next announcement is made? And then they won't have to roll back because everybody has agreed in this before they've gone out there. And that's what I think the government needs to, okay. to concentrate on. All right, I'm going, I'm going way over on time. Listen, okay. Michael, thank you for that. And uh, stay thank safe you. and thanks for joining us. That is uh, West Cork Independent All Deputy Michael Collins. Court today on C103 with John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. To celebrate C103's brand new breakfast show, we're giving away thousands of euro. Pure Cork Quiz is your chance to win free cash on C103. Answer three Cork questions in just 20 seconds to win 103 euro. And stay listening across the day because there's loads of chances to play. Ken's Pure Cork Quiz begins Monday morning at 7.20am. Stay listening on your phone, smart speaker and radio for your chance to grab the cash. Free cash. Only on C103. Councillors are concerned that too many studies on the freshwater pearl mussel in the River Blackwater could drag on and as a result hinder further development along some stretches of the river. North Cork Councillor John Paul O'Shea uh, joins me. Good morning to John Paul. Good morning, Patricia. Good morning. Now, do you know how many studies are being conducted on the, the pearl mussel and does it involve many different departments? Well, we're not actually quite sure at the moment, Patricia, and that's the question that I raised at the last um, week's Northern Commission meeting of Cork County Council, was that we would write to the government and ask them to know who, what department is actually carrying out that study. So a number of departments could carry it out. Uh, the Department of Heritage is one, um, which I suppose the National Parks and Wildlife Service is under, and that's where the recent study was carried out uh, previously in 2016. 
Uh, so we reckon that department could be the department that carries out, but obviously depending of uh, the Department of Planning and Local Government, um, plus the Department of uh, Rural and Community Development uh, will also need to be involved in this. So we've asked for clarity to know which department is carrying out the study and how long will the study um, go on for. And make sure that there's only one study as well, I think is probably an important point. Yes, and I suppose the other point uh, I want to raise, uh, Patricia, as well, is that Irish Water, um, because of the fact that both a number of wastewater implants are based on the on the on the river banks of the Blackwater along along the way. Um, they are carrying out their own independent study uh, in relation to I suppose the freshwater paramuscle, and that has been confirmed uh, for our own one here in Lumberstone. Uh, so that's another study. Yeah, so I think uh, like I've asked um, the question in relation to the upgrade of the three water treatment plants here in North Cork, um, uh, one in Kenturk, one in Bay Desmond, and one in Lumberstone. And they've come back to me and saying that Lumberstone is being progressed through a, a separate programme. And part of that is to carry out a study in relation to freshwater paramuscle in the vicinity of the Lumberstone area. Uh, so I've asked for clarity in relation to that and how exactly they're feeding into the national study uh, when it's taking place. But it's crucially important to produce that uh, departments and state agencies like Irish Water would link with Cork County Council and the national departments uh, to come up with one confirmed study in relation to the River Blackwater. Okay. We're very disappointed here because... I suppose when this was designated as uh, a river that had a freshwater paramuscle in it in 2016, uh, we got a study done uh, nationally and we went to Europe with that study and it was uh, de-designated and there was only the River Aloe, which is a tributary to the River Blackwater, yeah. was seen to be having uh, the freshwater paramuscle. And is that, is that, rec- is that officially recognised? Because uh, at the moment the entire... River Blackwater is designated, isn't it? Isn't it protected yes. for the permanent? Falling on from that, um, 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 Patricia, there was a, a Supreme Court uh, hearing in relation to an objection that uh, um, an individual raised uh, to the Supreme Court in relation to, I suppose, the effectiveness of that study, etc. That and that was taken to the European Court, uh, which was not um, followed through uh, by the government, and um, so it fell. So, uh, in actual fact, by default, now the whole River Blackwater has been redesignated as a river um, with the uh, presence of the freshwater paramuscle. And I, I want to say quite clearly, clearly here this morning that we're not uh, wanting to get rid of the freshwater paramuscle. We want to work around that. But we want to make sure that there's a presence there. The, the study that was done previously in 2016 said there wasn't uh, freshwater paramuscle in the River Blackwater, but it was in the tributaries of the Blackwater, which is the River Aloe. Um, so I, I suppose like we need to do another study uh, in relation to this to ensure, I suppose, that our um, study in 2016 is accurate and to ensure that there's, there is not freshwater paramuscle in the river. It's incredible. Because, and because of that, I'm assuming the council then are forced to reject applications for development pending all these studies. Yes, indeed. So each application is looked in this, uh, on its own merits, Patricia. Uh, but the majority of large applications in particular that I suppose are connecting to wastewater treatment plants belong to Irish Water. That is where the difficulty um, comes. Like an ordinary, an ordinary one-house, um, one-off house in a, in a rural setting, I suppose will be accommodated by a safety tank or, um, or a bio tank uh, that has been uh, installed within the site. And that seems to be fine. Uh, but it, the problem is, is that we're connecting to wastewater treatment plants that are old, they're archaic, they're overflowing, uh, they're over capacity, and they need to be upgraded. And, you know, unfortunately, Irish Water has been very uh, slow in, in progressing these um, in the Norcock area. And three of those that I mentioned in relation to Bay Desmond, Kenturk and Lumberstone, I got confirmation from Irish Water last week that none of them are going to be looked at until after the current Irish Water Capital Plan, which is post-2024. And they can use this as a reason not to as well. They can use the, the fresh pearl mussel as a reason. 
Yes, but I, I strongly of, of the opinion, Patricia, that Irish water needs to work with national government in, in relation to, I suppose, if there is a presence of freshwater pearl mussel in the vicinity, be it the River Aloe or be it the River Blackwater, they need to work with government in, in, in I suppose, acquiring uh, the finances to ensure, I suppose, we upgrade our wastewater treatment plants because otherwise towns like Kenturk and villages like Ballydesmond and Lumberstone and even Mallow will, will be restricted severely in relation to, I suppose, advancing um, our housing programme. Um, and our development programme right into the future. And like just for example, a, a Mallow Wastewater Treatment Plant is to be upgraded this year. And because of the fact now that we have a redesignation of the freshwater pellet mussel, all that plan must be reviewed uh, in relation to its designation. And, and I mean, and this is not about pitting the environment against uh, development uh, and everybody wants to protect the environment. But people have to live as well, John Paul. Absolutely, Patricia, and I think our division manager put it very well. We don't want to be, um, I suppose, pitting uh, the environment against uh, or, I suppose, our development here in North Cork. But the reality is that we must work together in unison to deliver what is practical and what is feasible uh, at the time. And if there is a presence of freshwater pearl mussel, and because if there is a, uh, um, a presence of freshwater pearl mussel in the area, the bar goes a lot higher in terms of our environmental impact assessments that have to take place in relation to, I suppose, our development, in relation to um, the development of of the whole region as, as a whole. But that means to uh, ensure, I suppose, further finances given from national government to the likes of Irish Water, to the likes of Cork County Council, to make sure that we can continue to develop here in Cork and not be stagnated for the next number of years. OK, and just uh, very finally and very briefly, you want the entire North Cork region to be included in the Munster Vales tourism brand? That's correct, Patricia. I suppose, you know, the Munster Vales has been a huge success since it was established and it encompasses five mountainous regions uh, around the Munster area. And I know you have had people on from the Munster Vales on your programme before and it's very much uh, very much promoted around uh, the North Cork area in terms of, I suppose, the Charleville Park Hotel uh, in relation to Donwell House uh, and Park is all, also featured in it. But west of Mallow isn't featured in it and I suppose it includes the Bogara Mountains, which, in, which is, I suppose, the six mountainous regions. So I think... All of Narcock is included bar the west area outside Mallow. So I, I've asked that, I suppose, the board of the Munster Vales would consider that and hopefully would be all included because it is important, I suppose, that we uh, promote ourselves as an entire region when we are promoting tourism in Narcock. Uh, and we need to be doing it now. We need to start the planning post-COVID because tourism will come back and will come back with a vengeance Absolutely, and we need to be prepared for it. And we saw it here very, very clearly that, I suppose, since COVID, that Narcock is very much blessed with mountains regions, very much blessed with lovely walks and heritage in our area and a lot of local people, even within their 5k are rediscovering what they're, what exists around their 5k at the moment This that's a beautiful uh, thing to see people doing and I think they don't realise I suppose, um, the beauty that is around them in the Alcock region and I think if we can spread that word out there uh, post-COVID that we will ensure that I suppose um, Narcock gets its fair share in, ter- in terms of tourism. Okay and it's important everyone you stay within your 5k please. Alright uh, John Paul we leave it there thank you for that and thanks for joining us. Thank you very much. Good morning, uh, good morning to you that is uh, North Cork Councillor John Paul uh, O'Shea. Just to let you know we've got a lovely competition running all of this week we've teamed up with Cool More uh, Cakes they were established back in the 80s they started out as a farmhouse bakery producing uh, cakes on would you believe on an aga cooker um, and the business has grown so much. And if you have ever tasted a Coolmore cake, you will know how delicious they are. And they have given us these wonderful hampers uh, to give away. There's 12 delicious cakes in uh, each hamper. And we're giving away four 
hampers every day. How do you enter? We need you to text or WhatsApp us with a sweet message or a card or an email that you have received from family or friends. You need to get it into us uh, at 086 uh, to 103 103. Now it is by text or WhatsApp and every day this week we will pick out four winners and each winner will receive one of these hampers which as I say uh, contains 12 delicious cakes. I'll go through some of the cakes later on. They're absolutely mouth-watering, I'll tell you that. I'll give you the examples of them a little bit later on. So let us know, have you received a message or a card or an email that you've gotten from a friend, family member, a work uh, colleague, something that really touched you? Tell us about it and you could be winning one of these gorgeous uh, hampers thanks to our good friends at Coolmore Fresh Foods. 1850-333-103. John Paul taking your calls. You can text on WhatsApp 0862-103-103. Court today on C103 with Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale now part of McCarthy Insurance Group for motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance cmig.ie You're listening to Cork Today on Replay Phone and text lines are currently closed A lot of commentary coming in uh, to the programme this morning including a call from Irene who wants me to share this to see if anybody else noticed uh, this or is it just where I don't know where Irene is living but Irene says can somebody please answer this question she was out shopping yesterday evening now yesterday was bitterly cold all day long it was if you put your nose outside the front door it was freezing yesterday so Irene went off she had a bit of shopping to do and she noticed yesterday but it wasn't just yesterday but because yesterday was particularly cold I think she noticed it more than ever but she has noticed it of uh, late that some gentlemen some men in all kinds of weather have decided when they're out in public to wear shorts now she said she was spotted in a supermarket yesterday evening she said when the temperature was definitely down at about minus one to the young men in particular young guys walking around doing their shopping in shorts now she said they most definitely hadn't been out for a run and decided you know just head into the supermarket to pick up some shopping it seems to be their style at the moment and Irene is just curious in the height of winter particularly with the cold spell that we're just coming out of have others noticed that that young men it seems to be a fashion statement they're, they're making that they're wearing shorts. Anybody else notice that? Anyone of the young men living in the household at the moment, are they insisting on wearing shorts? 1850-333-103. Some of your other thoughts coming in. Hannah, this is on quarantining. Still getting a lot of calls on quarantining. She said over the weekend, the amount of people, Hannah reckons, that travelled from the UK into West Cork. Where are the checks for these people who managed to get in? While us, the locals, can't move beyond five kilometres. And Hannah says, by the way, local knowledge doesn't lie we know who we're talking about uh, these people there will be people who fully believe uh, don't fully believe in COVID who nearly push you out of the way to get you into a shop no wonder we've civil wars in Ireland over the years when you've attitude like that from so uh, many we're a long way since last March when everybody was united and everybody seemed to be pulling together now we all seem to be at war the minute you mentioned COVID it seems to be out and out uh, war says uh, Hannah 
on the bus going to Belfast for people for hip operations, knee operations and in the main cataract operations. Pat cannot cannot understand why the South Infirmary, a unit of the South Infirmary isn't used particularly for the cataract operations. Thinks it's crazy that we're asking people to go to uh, Northern Ireland and it's going on all of the time. I can see a lot of questions coming in for our GP on vaccines. Can you keep those coming in? Pat and Kilbert was on to the programme to say Kilworth Forest so they have a problem there in that people are coming into the forest to do exercise and they are certainly outside of their five uh, kilometres. Again, it's the local knowledge doesn't lie. Pat says we're locals. We know all of the people. So we know the strangers that are arriving and people who are certainly well outside of their five uh, kilometres. Pat reckons they're coming from the Mountain Barracks side, which is the back road from Mitchestown to Aragland. He, sa- he said it's happening every weekend. Now, Pat says they have notified Quilton, they have notified the Gardaí and he he would like something done about that. People exercising outside of their 5K. Also coming in on a text to uh, us on Micheál Martin going to America. And we know we spoke about this on Friday. There is talks of Micheál Martin as Taoiseach going over with the bowl of shamrock to the new president, uh, Joe Biden. Somebody says, if Micheál Martin does decide to travel to the States and fly the flag for Ireland for St. Patrick's Day, will he stay in? Will he go into quarantine for two weeks when he comes home? Surely... The buck stops with him. He should be leading by good example. And I'm assuming you, I take from that that you don't want him to travel to uh, America. Uh, There are questions to do with the vaccines. Thank you for that. Patricia, aren't we in a lovely fine mess at the moment? We're 350,000 vaccines short. And you have the Minister for Health, Stephen Donnelly, telling us that everyone will be vaccinated by September. Who are the misfortunates that won't get uh, vaccinated? Will it be the less well-off people? Well, no, because the vaccines are free so that you can't buy a vaccine. Anyway, how many lockdowns will we have to see uh, before we we are all vaccinated. How many new strains of COVID will be around by this time next year? It's too little, too late. It's looking like 2022 for vaccines. I'm still waiting, by the way, for the flu flu jab, says John. We are all history if the government don't shut all our air and sea travel and close it down immediately, says uh, John. Someone else says the government is a complete joke. it, It feels like they're playing with people's lives. This listener says, bring back Enda Kenny and uh, the, the and by the way just on vaccines and as I say I can see a lot of questions coming in on vaccines keep them coming and we'll push it to the GP who's going to join, be joining us shortly on the programme growing numbers want the COVID-19 vaccine and according to a latest study out three quarters of people now say that if it was available today they'd be out and they would be getting their jab. Eagerness for the vaccine has emerged in a survey that was carried out by Ipsos MRBI and it was conducted for the Irish Pharmaceutical Healthcare Association. It found the age group most likely to get and look for a COVID-19 vaccines were the over 65s with demand among them as high as 86%. Eight in 10 people aged between 55 and 64 also say they want to be vaccinated. The demand grew among the older age groups and that certainly by Department of Health is seen as good news because that's the age group most at risk of getting very sick from the virus. Of the 7% of people 
who said they would not take a COVID-19 vaccine. The reluctance was highest among the younger age group, the 25 to 34 year olds. The Irish Pharmaceutical Healthcare Association said the figures show a 20 point rise in the number who would take a vaccine since they did a similar survey back in October. That's that's a big, big uh, jump at that stage. 12% said they wouldn't take it, but that's now down to 7%. uh, And the number of people who said they were unsure in October is also down by 15%. uh, More than 50 potential COVID vaccines are on trials, according to the World Health Organisation. I mean, there will be a time when we will be swimming in vaccines. We're not there yet, but certainly that day will happen. And of course, we all know it's vital that as many people as possible get vaccinated. And the hope then is that we can all return to some kind to normality or at least uh, some version of normality and it was great to hear that all nursing home residents and staff they were all due to have received their first dose of the vaccine by uh, yesterday. Now I don't know if that's the case in any of the nursing homes that have an outbreak of COVID-19 because I think they were putting a halt until they were COVID clear before they went in but we were told that up by yesterday, every single nursing home resident available and willing to get it along with the staff should have all been done yes, by yesterday. And then this week, the second doses will be administered to almost all of the health staff. But as I mentioned earlier, the big uncertainty now at the moment is with the Oxford Zeneca vaccine. The approval is expected to be given on Friday by the Europeans and Medicines Board. But as we know now, there's going to be a little bit of a delay with the arrival of that vaccine onto our shores. And that's obviously going to impact on the rollout to the over uh, 70s. And while we all wait to get the vaccine, we all try to protect ourselves and do the best we can, sticking to all the rules, the hand hygiene, the wearing of the masks and the two metre social distancing. But I'm wondering how many people are taking vitamin D. I know it's something Annalise Drissel, who will be joining us later on in the programme, our nutritional therapist, has been advocating and she's been looking at studies showing that vitamin D is really, well, we know vitamin D is good for us, particularly at this time of the year when we're not getting as much uh, sunlight, but particularly good when it comes to the fight against COVID-19. And Michael has sent in a piece saying vitamin D helps to protect against COVID-19 while the vaccine is being rolled out. And it's a group of Irish medical experts have come out to make this urgent message. They say that vitamin D supplements can significantly reduce the risk of infection, serious illness and death from COVID-19. Professor Declan Byrne, he's clinical director at St. James's Hospital in Dublin and Professor Rose Ann Kenny are now urging the Department of Health to increase its vitamin D guidelines to the general adult population for a daily intake of between 20 and 25 micrograms and that would build up a level against the virus. The accumulation of evidence linking low vitamin D levels and COVID-19 is now considerable and this evidence is coming from all over the world. Finland, I think, were one of the first to come out. They have recorded low COVID infection and death rates in a country that has been compulsory enriching its milk and spreadable fats with vitamin D. And they've been doing that since 2003. So they're a country where its people have a high store of vitamin D 
because of what the country did back in 2003. So there's another push. As I say, I've seen a lot of studies from all over the world on vitamin D, but there's some of our own medical experts coming out and saying this is the way to go. This is what the government need uh, to do. Someone else is saying on quarantine, no quarantining, but close the airports and the ports. Please leave nobody uh, in. And uh, this is to do, this is coming in the middle of all of our vaccine questions, which we'll put to the GP. But this is something, Sir McCary listener, and this is something that I know is worrying a lot of people who are medically compromised. Kerry listener says, I'm medically compromised and my only hope is a vaccine. I'm cocooning and have been cocooning almost since last March. And hearing about the vaccine rollout since prior to Christmas was light at the end, end of the tunnel for me. But alas, nothing has happened except for some well-deserving categories, in particular the frontline workers and those elderly people in nursing homes. I know I am certainly not alone in this. Vaccines are in use in other countries wildly. Surely these vaccines are approved for use in these countries, so why the delay with approval here? Is this a weighted approval duplication or is it just a repeat of this year's flu vaccine when so many couldn't get access to the shot? And that says a Kerry listener. Well, the reason we can't approve of them ourselves, we have to wait. We're tied into the European Union on this, on, on this. That's why now, for the first time ever, we can't compare ourselves to our near neighbours in the United Kingdom because since they broke away, they can do their own thing when it comes to vaccines. We have to wait for approval from the European Union. Once we get approval from the European uh, Union, then we're OK to administer the vaccines in this country. And so far, the European Union have given the go-ahead to Pfizer. They've given the go-ahead to Moderna and they're expected this Friday to give the go-ahead to the Oxford-AstraZeneca one, which we're told to be the big game-changer. And it was the big game-changer until we found out on Friday that Oxford-AstraZeneca are saying, sorry, folks, we thought we were going to be able to ship more of it to you than we will be able to. So that's going to have a knock-on uh, delay. But hopefully when we speak with our doctor, we may be able to get some further clarity on that. Uh, so, And you're not on your own. I have seen so many people who are medically compromised and who are doing exactly exactly what you have done, uh, cocooning. And these are people who have been cocooning since March and cannot come out until they have a vaccine. And when you look at the sequencing, people who were medically compromised were not mentioned at all. You, th- you, were, you were either waiting on an age category for when you would be able to get uh, the vaccine. Even though I did uh, see somewhere in the paper today uh, Micheál Martin saying that they are going to have to relook at the way they are giving out vaccines and that sequencing list and um, he's even accepting that they're going to have to change that and there are people I think who've been missed out particularly people who are medically compromised I was, I was on the news watching on the news last night transplant patients for example they're not even uh, on the list for ex- people who have cystic fibrosis which is a lung condition are not even on the list people who have emphysemia people who suffer from alpha 1 uh, which is a form of emphysemia none of them are on the list which is to me is a glaring mistake when you look at the sequencing and when the, you can expect to get the vaccine. But I did hear Mio Martin at the weekend say that that is going to have to be looked at again and hopefully sooner rather than later to give some light at the end of the tunnel for people like our Kerry listener who are, who are prisoners almost in their own home waiting for the arrival of the vaccines. 1815 And in the middle of all of those comments, I saw a request in for somebody 57 years married today, John and Alicia Boyd of Balancon. They were married on the 25th of January today, back in 
1964 and we've just I don't know who it's from but somebody was on to say could we please pass on our congratulations John and Alicia Boyd in Ballancolic happy uh, anniversary to you 57 years that is incredible may you have many many more years together so many questions in from listeners about the rollout of the COVID-19 vaccine in the community who will get it when will they get it who will be administering it well to hopefully answer some of the questions I'm joined by Middleton GP Dr Mike Thompson of the Immokilly Medical uh, Centre good morning to you Mike Morning, Patricia. Happy uh, year. Well, and many happy returns uh, to you. And you're very welcome to the programme. Now, last week, the government signed off on approval for GPs and pharmacists, pharmacists to administer the vaccine. That was yeah. really the good news story of last week. But now, Mike, uncertainty hanging over the volume of the Oxford AstraZeneca vaccine. Yes, which is the one that will be administered by GPs and pharmacists in the community, given the fact that it's easily uh, administered. So... I think we are, like every other country, we're dependent on the pharmaceuticals and unfortunately the rate-limiting step is going to be vaccine supply. So I would definitely have some uh, sympathy with the HSC if it's not available. I mean, I I think they have a very good plan ready to go. They have most of the nursing home staff. They have a lot of healthcare workers done and ongoing with that. But if it's, you know, I think we're a victim of international supply and demand and we're only getting 1.1% of the EU supply um, as per our population. So we are where we are. Um, there is a 15-point list of people who will get it and when they'll get it, and it's very clear who will get it and when. Um, most GPs are ready to go. General practice will be doing people over 70, and then under 70 it moves into the broader categories, with, including pharmacists, and obviously hopefully large-scale vaccination centres like we're seeing in some other countries. Um but it will be a very strict eligibility criteria. So the, the, the next group, the general group, I suppose, is people over 70. And given the dearth of vaccine supplies, it may well start at something like over 85, then work down, Patricia, to 80, 80 and 75, etc. And people will be contacted by their GPs. There's no need to kind of um, canvas and let us know. You know, we know, we know everyone, we know their history. That's why I suppose we've been trusted with it and you will be contacted by your GP. Um, So it is a waiting game. We had thought from Mm. after the mid-February we'd be ready to go. Um, But I think... But that's not looking uh, like... No, I think the supply we were talking about maybe getting about half what we were meant to get. So I think we will be starting, but it might be in a more, it might be maybe the older population, which is, yeah. is appropriate. Some people are saying to us, uh, Mike, is it going to be like the flu jab when people had to scramble to get the flu jab last year? The, the one thing is, was the flu jab, was it was open access. Uh, yeah. You could go any, you know, I mean, it was, this over 70, it will be given by your GP. Okay, no one else. So it will be a case of your GP will very, very do a risk stratification and I think it will be, if if we get 100 vaccines in and if we have, we have 100 people over 70, that's great. Everyone gets it. These vaccines will not be languishing in our fridges for weeks. Do not worry. As soon as they come in, we are going to try and get them in people's arm, you know, the same day, the next day. But uh, but as a GP, are your hands going to be tied as to who you give them out to? The reason I ask that is we have a number of people contact us this morning who are medically compromised, even you know with whatever type of medical condition they have. I mean, one listener says they've been cocooning uh, literally since March uh, because of the medical condition that they suffer from. They're not over seventy. Do they? Do, do people who are medically compromised just have to wait? Yep. So they're step five. So. 
one is nursing home, two is healthcare workers, three is over 70s, four is all other healthcare workers not in direct patient contact, five is those aged from 65 to 70, prioritising those with medical conditions. And so then your GP, you will know the ones in your practice who fall yeah. into that category. Yes. Now, it does depend, and unfortunately, it may be a case. We will know. I suppose each individual knows their history. Your GP knows all his patient's history or her patient's history. So that will be a little bit fraught. You will be contacted. You you know, blocking up our phone lines, Trisha, is not going to help because there is other stuff going on besides COVID vaccinations, you know. So I think most GPs are doing is booking engines. You will get a text, a link that you'll follow up and book your appointment. But it's probably not going to be very helpful if everyone in the community around their GP to, inverted brackets, remind them of their history, you know. We're well aware of it. Um, yeah. And that's difficult to hear. Okay? Yeah. We are going to follow, you, you know, there was a bit of an outcry when people deviated from the plan, you know, but believe me, we're when the vaccine comes in, we're going to try and get it out straight away. We will follow the criteria as set down by the HSE. You know, and You're not going to have any leftover doses, for example. So let's say we have, um, we've given all our over 70s and we've 20 spare. We are immediately, okay, it would be, I think, unethical and immoral to leave those languishing until we're green lighted. I am going to move down to my next 20 at most risk. Absolutely. The sooner we get this going, the better. Um, but I can't envision the scenario where we're going to have too many vaccines left over. Not at the start. You know, we have Pfizer, Moderna, AstraZeneca, Johnson & Johnson is coming out. I think very you know, within a few months, we will have a, a large supply of vaccines. So it, it, there's a there's a kind of a, a thought out there that the vaccine is a panacea. So it's, it's two parts. You know, the first one gives you 70% protection. The second one brings you up to the 90s. We are still going to have to live the life we are living at the moment. We will not be returning to pre-COVID days anytime quickly, you know. Um, and I think you're looking at a, a rather, certainly 60, 70% of the population needed to be vaccinated before we can move around like that again. And maybe we need an annual vaccine as well. There are lots of variables here. Yeah, we still don't know that. Uh, Aoife wants wants to know when the GP is deciding, does it just go on the age or will you take underlying health conditions when you're deciding which which of the... So the first step is step three is, is and people can look this up on the HSC website. There's a there's a fifteen you, you can see where you are on the COVID ladder, okay? And after healthcare workers and nursing home, direct healthcare workers and nursing home people, step three is all aged over seventy. Okay. Mm. If we get less vaccines than all our over seventies, the first thing we'll have to do is start at the over eighty fives and work down. You know. Beyond when all those are done, it does move in step five to people who will prioritise with medical conditions. That is going to take a little bit of time. You know, I, I, I say everyone, you know, there are lots of people out there, I suppose, and, and there is a lot of fear out there. But we, you know, most GPs have two, 3,000 patients. You know, people with, let's say, who are 65 and have active cancer, people who have bad COPD, uncontrolled diabetes, you know, heart failure. We are aware of them, but they will have to be People, you know, there's going to have to be some kind of management and, and rules with this, definitely. Yeah. If it becomes a free-for-all, I mean, we have people already emailing us saying, can they buy it? You know, you know. thankfully, this is, you know, this is a very uh, public system. I think the HSC have done everything they could be asked for. The one thing that is outside their control is the supply of vaccine. Um, 
but we are and, ready to go. And a number of people are asking about allergies, uh, in particular, yep. Tom and Donnerail, um, so he's allergic to penicillin. Can people with allergies still get the yep. vaccine? So that's a conversation they would have to have with their GP. There are certain preclusions from that if people have had severe anaphylaxis. Um, there may, yeah, I, I wouldn't give generic medical advice, I think, but I think people who have a history of allergies will have to have a detailed consultation with their general practitioner. Again, um, that's why I think general practitioners and the pharmacists are going to start for those who are maybe older, more vulnerable or complicated. I would hope in the time in the summer it would move to mass vaccination centres, you know, um, yeah. which would be more the general public, I suspect, because that's that's the way we're going to get a large swathe of the community done quickly. Pregnant women is another question that's coming in. Can pregnant women get the vaccine? Absolutely, Patricia. They yeah. can, the, yeah. The, the Institute of Obstetrician and Gynaecologists have produced some very helpful stuff and again, a conversation with your GP or your obstetrician. At the start, people needed to get a letter of freedom from obstetrician. That has been removed now. And I suppose we would be encouraging people. Now, there is one little caveat to that. Under 14 weeks and before 33 weeks, people need to get the vaccine. Um, because the second vaccine can cause a bit of a temperature in people. And that may not be advisable in late pregnancy. But again, it's a conversation... You will be obviously you will be getting it through your GP or pharmacist. That conversation will be had with you. Mm, mm. But the general advice is yes, we recommend it. Okay, here's a good one in from Fran. Why can't we start making vaccines in Ireland? We've enough pharmaceutical plants. That's a very good question. Yeah. <laughs> I never thought of it. Yeah, there <laughs> it'd be you go. great. It'd be good. Get yeah, on to I, Pfizer. <laughs> we, we, we fantastic. Go on, yeah. Fairness to Pfizer, they're getting uh, the Pfizer staff are getting. They're the one exception. They are getting. Um, they're the people who make the vaccine, so I think they're very essential. So they are. They're, they're getting a special derogation. They are allowed to get the vaccine uh, out of turn. Mm. But it's a bit like the healthcare staff in the hospitals too, you know, where really they're on fire at the moment. And it, it's not just the, the doctors and the nurses. It, it is the cleaners and the radiographers. I mean, it, it, unfortunately, all the ward needs to be vaccinated against it because it won't work if it's just doctors. You'll need the nurses, you'll need the radiographers, you'll need the porters. So, you know, I do think most healthcare workers are approaching, get, certainly if, I would hope have had their first vaccine or about to get it. Have you as a GP, have yeah. all the GPs got it at this stage now? Yeah, I suspect the vast majority yeah. have. I've yeah. had my first one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and the, the other question I think that that is quite common that, that we're getting in, can people pick the vaccine that they get themselves? Johnny has an underlying no. health condition and would prefer the Pfizer vaccine. No, no. you can't. And there is no, so there's a couple of issues to that. First of all, you, you certainly don't want to kind of get into undermining, uh, and I've heard that before, that oh, Pfizer is the best and AstraZeneca isn't. The evidence now coming out, thankfully, is that the first and second deficiency doses are pretty much the same across the board. Uh, one is a live vaccine. The No, this is a pandemic situation. It's same in the UK. I think most people would be very, very glad to get whichever vaccine. Um, the... The evidence is certainly at the start was that the Pfizer second dose was a little bit more effective, but AstraZeneca, which is the one that General Practice has recently published that, has found that it's as effective. So I think people can relax with that. Yeah, that it is yeah. okay. Yeah. Um, are you worried about new strains of the vaccine, uh, Mike, and, and new strains of COVID-19, and will the vaccines yeah. be effective against those? That's probably beyond me, I must say. <laughs> I, 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 I'm very happy to stay in my lane. I am, I am a GP and I'm, I, I, I think that, you know, GPs are very good at what we do, but we are certainly dependent a lot on the National Immunisation um, Authority for this too as well. We are all concerned, I suppose, in the medical community about new strains and we do hope so far the, the, the English and South African strains seem to be okay with it. But I do think with time, new strains are going to emerge. Yeah. Okay. So, 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 
the vast, you know, uh, there are countries out there who are not lucky enough to get this vaccine, you know. Um, it, it's, you know, we all want the vaccine. Absolutely. We are all human. Uh, you know, it is it is a very, very effective tool. OK, but I still think the basic health principles of social distancing, wearing masks, washing your hands, you know, that's that's going to be important for the next six months, unfortunately. Yeah, and it will be even when you get the vaccine, you're still going to have to keep that. I think whenever people come yeah. to GPs in the future, we'll be wearing masks. A listener wants to know, could you ask Dr. Mike, what about people who are housebound? Will doctors make home visits yeah. with the yeah. vaccine? You will? Yeah, yeah. you know, I, I think it, it, it's very rare, I must say, in fact. But yeah, I mean, nursing homes, similar scenario. Um, I think there are, I, I always laugh when people ask for this, um, uh, they can manage to go to mass and the hairdressers, but <laughs> they lose that ability when the doctor is called. Um, I think we would be very happy to facilitate the genuine population of people who are truly housebound. Absolutely. Could you ask Dr. Mike, have people with a disability been mentioned on the list? Or do you have to wait for the it, age it, group? It, it's No, the age group specifically applies for over 70s. And, and that's born on statistical evidence. When it moves to under 70, it'll move to age category and illness. Okay, and disability and illness will put them in. I mean, I would encourage people to have a look at the HSE website. They can see where they are. Okay, um, there's 15 um, divisions of where people are in the vaccine. And it would be great. It would be fantastic if we could do everyone straight away. That is never going to happen. We are at, I suppose, the, the mercy of vaccination supply. That is outside the remit of the HSE's control. I must say, I think they've been very proactive on this occasion. And it's outside the remit of the government as well. You yeah. can't, we can't blame the government on this one. And I was reading, I mean, there's something like 50 potential COVID-19 vaccines on trial, according to the World Health Organisation. There will come a time when we'll be flooded with vaccines. Absolutely. And I think, Trisha, there may come a time where we don't know how long it lasts for and in certain populations. So this is, this is, a, this is you know, there are lots of variables out there. Will this be a little bit like the flu jab? You'll have to get your COVID top up once a year too. Um, there are lots of unknowns out there. Okay, and then as a GP, what's the in the? Are you seeing much COVID in the community? Are we flattening the curve? Are we getting there? Um, in in the ambulant kind of well population, yes, I would say so. Um, I spent a little bit of time in a local nursing home yesterday, unfortunately, and the nursing homes are they're on fire, unfortunately, at the moment again. Stressful. Um, it is. Yeah, and they've they've had their vaccine, okay, but I just think it just came around too quick. And the, you know, I think the general community should remember that the staff walking around there yesterday, most of them were vaccinated, not all of them. They're walking around for eight hours in a miasma of COVID, okay, for, you know, basic wage, to be honest, you know. So I think they are the true heroes sometimes, and, and they're locked away. And the big issue, I suppose, is staff in nursing homes are really under pressure. It was awful to see yesterday, you know. Um, yeah, I, I heard of a nursing home in West Cork over the weekend. They had only, because the COVID has hit the building and hit the staff, they had one nurse for 50 patients. They had to put an SOS out and they, and they got the help in the end. But I just, yeah. that really struck me on Saturday night thinking this is the, this is the uh, reality. And we are unfortunately going to see in the coming weeks, even though the numbers are going down and, you know, people are, are sticking with the rules and regulations, thank God. We are going to see more deaths. The weeks ahead are going to be really There's rough. There's always a lag. And a lot of times, Trisha, these, these people may not be for transfer for acute care. 
you know um they may there may be difficult decisions about end of life care um but huge swathes of staff i mean i think there's 6000 healthcare workers in the hsc currently out mm. due to covid related um you know so you know when it goes to vaccines i suppose it is good we, we you know we we've done okay so far without the vaccine it, it's human nature now we know it's there we want it it's like a you know it's like a golden ticket at the moment but there are things that we can all do to protect ourselves while we're waiting Okay. All right. Listen, uh, Mike, a pleasure as always. Thank you for that and uh, stay safe and no doubt we'll speak again, but thank you for joining us. Uh, Good morning to you. That is Middleton GP, Dr. Mike Thompson of the Immokili Medical Centre. And I think the one message that we have to get out from uh, Mike this morning is please don't bring your GP practice. They don't have the vaccines yet. As soon as they get the vaccines, they have the criteria in uh, place so they know and their hands are tied. So there's no point people trying to promote their doctor oh, I've been with you for years and you're going to look after me and all of that unfortunately they can't there's going to be a strict criteria who gets it and when they get it it isn't going to please everybody I'm, I'm sure of that but uh, please God enough of the vaccines will start to come into the country and we won't be having all of these headaches of people who do really desperately want the vaccine we won't have all the headaches of them uh, waiting for it and just to let people know and I've seen a call in from Billy in Bandit who received one of these fake texts just this morning claiming to be from the HSC. These are scammers are using the vaccine rollout and they're trying to take advantage of older and vulnerable people. Criminals are reportedly texting or phoning older people about appointments and claiming to be from the HSC and claiming to be texting or calling about the COVID-19 vaccinations and they're claiming to do it from random uh, hospitals. Uh, when the victim says, for example, that they can't travel to the hospital, then the scammer is trying to work out if the person is living on their own. They're trying to get details from them. They're looking for PPS numbers. They're looking for uh, dates of birth. So people have been warned to ignore these scam attempts and uh, at all times to protect their personal information. The HSC actually took to Twitter on Friday Uh, to remind people to remain alert to potential fraud associated with COVID-19 vaccines. And they said on, on the tweet on Friday that the HSE will not text you to ask you for your personal details. We will not charge or ask for payment for a COVID-19 test or a COVID uh, vaccine. They are all free of charge. So please just be so, so careful about that because I saw some of those texts seem to be coming in different parts of the country, but Billy and Bandon says he got one this morning. So they've, they're working their way. They're in the Cork area at the moment. Be alert to them. And if you have vulnerable older people, make them alert to as well to them as well to please be very, very uh, careful. And the listener says, Patricia, we're all fed up. We've been told to stay indoors. This has been going on since last March. We are not living at all. We could tell you what time exactly we could tell you what time exactly a programme is on the TV. That's all we have at the moment. We are waiting for this vaccine. We were hoping to have it by now and all we're hearing is it has been uh, delayed. I would gladly pay for my vaccine to try to get my life back somehow. We're tired. We're simply tired of being inside and we wish for some kind of release. It's almost like we're living in a jail sentence at the moment and that's just signed a listener 
Oh, that's just heartbreaking. And I know and they, you're not on your own. There are so many people feeling like that as well. I mean, there's been so much talk about COVID fatigue and people are just simply getting tired of it. It's almost like we're nearly a year and you're right, we are nearly a year. And certainly by the time we come out of this lockdown, we know we're not coming out of it on the 1st of February. We will be almost a full year in, in and out of uh, lockdown. But please just hang in there, do the best you can, do whatever it takes to cheer yourself up. Have you thought about mindfulness, meditation, phone a friend, get out for your exercise if you can within your five kilometres and, you know, you can still get out, you can still, there's still a big, beautiful world out there. Keep away from people. I know we've got to do all of that and the hand hygiene and wear and wear the mask, but there is light at the end of the tunnel. At least we do have a vaccine. Whereas earlier on in the year when we were looking at lockdowns, we were praying that a vaccine, when would a vaccine arrive? It's just, there's, it, there's, there's a bit of a, a hiccup along the way with the rollout of the vaccine. But look, it's here and it is coming and you will get it. And hopefully, I don't know what category you're in, but hopefully you will get it sooner rather than later. But my heart goes out to you because it is really, really difficult. 1850-333-103. John Paul, taking your calls. You can text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. Court today on C103. With John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McC- McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. Apologies if I didn't get to all of your questions about vaccines. We really were swamped uh, with calls uh, there, but a couple of people just want to say thank you to Dr. Mike uh, Thompson. He really explained about the vaccine rollout very clearly. Uh, So thanks for all of the information and a a number of people saying he has clarified so much uh, for me. So our thanks to Uh, Dr. Mike Thompson and Dr. Mike had joined us last year on the programme. He was the guy who had set up, do you remember the flu, uh, the vaccination, a drive-through flu vaccination clinic that ran really successfully and he ended up having to close it because he couldn't get enough vaccines and he was hoping that it could be a good trial run for COVID vaccines. But again, it's going to be down to the number of vaccines that they actually get in uh, to the surgeries uh, and how they can actually give them out. Hi Patricia, this is on self on quarantine there is a family across the park from where I live. They returned from Brazil a few days ago. Sure didn't. I see them shopping in the city the day after they arrived. Who's codding who, says uh, John. There are so many people who are meant to be self-isolating who are simply not self-isolating. Uh, On the fresh pearl muscle that we spoke about earlier with Councillor John Paul O'Shea, Mike in Bantry. Says, Trish, I do a lot of fishing in the Lombardstown uh, area and I have actually come across the freshwater mussels in uh, Lombardstown as well, says uh, Mike. And someone else says, Trish, a consultant has reported that all wards in the Martyr are now allocated to COVID patients. Have any of your listeners been lucky enough to have their treatment relocated to any of the private hospitals under the new government scheme. A daily report on the number of public cases being treated in private facilities, would that not make for interesting reading? And it would be interesting and interested, interesting for members of the public. So has anybody out there been 
called into a private hospital for treatment, taken off the public list and brought into a private hospital. Listeners, just curious to know. And a number of people reacting to the listener was an Irene who kicked off the programme this morning who said she was out yesterday on a freezing cold day and she saw a young man out in shorts doing his shopping. And she said she's noticed of late. And is it a new fashion trend or something? And what is it about young men wearing shorts, even in the wilds of uh, winter? Hi, Patricia, the wearing of shorts has gone ridiculous says this texture. People are like sheep, all following the one in front. One neighbour is wearing them too as well. He also wears a big padded jacket with gloves and a big woolly cap and yet he's wearing a pair of shorts. How ridiculous he looks. It's like the dry robes. I have to go into town on Saturday and there's a woman walking around in one. Is that a dressing gown? Is that what do you mean by a dry robe? A dressing gown. It's like, look at me, aren't I gorgeous? And she doesn't know how ridiculous she looks. They are the new sea swimmers. They all have to get the dry robe too. It's supposed to look cool, the dressing gown. God help us uh, take care. I think people haven't learned anything from the situation we are finding ourselves in at the moment. There are a number of people who are too self-absorbed. Are you saying that there's people still wearing the, do you remember the pyjamas became a big trend for the young girls? Uh, the young men, says somebody else, are wearing the short pants. It's a macho thing. They're saying, look at me, I don't feel the cold. I'm a hard man. That's says uh, Mike. Um, and hi Patricia, I'm listening to you from Castle Knock in Dublin. It's not just young men that are wearing shorts. It's men of all ages and it's going on here in Dublin as well. And hi Patricia on young men wearing shorts. Please, please, please don't mention my name. I have two sons in their 20s who wear shorts summer and winter. I gave up telling telling them off. If they are cold, they're old enough to know how to dress. But they say they're never cold and by the way, they're never sick. The heating is definitely not on here all of the time. The shorts they wear are like tracksuit bottoms just cut at the knees. It's just a habit actually one of them doesn't even wear socks young blood if wearing shorts out of season is the only daft thing they'll do then I'll be a happy mammy thanks for that and Catherine Cork says I heard a guy yesterday in the Lee Fields running wearing shorts and he didn't have any top on either and he wasn't a young fella and yes there was a lot of guys walking around in shorts and it was very cold weather that's from Catherine in Cork let's take a break we're heading to news at 12 midday questions for Annalise please 1850 333 103 Cork today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance, CMIG. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. 
It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. They were swamped, can I say, uh, with the text messages and uh, WhatsApps. And I'm doing my best to get through as many of them as uh, possible. Keep the ones coming for Annalise. And you've got a final couple of minutes if you want to send in a an entry for our competition, which, by the way, we're running every day this week. So if you don't win today, you might win some other day this week. This is our wonderful competition where we've teamed up with Cool More Cakes. They were established back in 1988 and they began as a farmhouse bake producing cakes in an aga cooker in a farmhouse in West Cork and since then the business has grown steadily over the years and thankfully it is now going from strength uh, to strength and they are proud supporters of local jobs and businesses in Bandon and in West Cork and every day this week Coolmore Fresh Foods are giving us four hampers each hamper contains 12 delicious cakes to give away. There are two chocolate fudge cakes, two carrot cakes, two lemon cakes, two salted caramel cakes, one coffee and walnut cake, one ginger latte cake, one black forest gato cake. Oh, they're killing me. And there's also an orange chocolate cake. They each and every one of them sound delicious. I wouldn't know which one to start with. That's Coolmore Cakes, bakers of artisan loaf cakes in Bandon in West Cork. And they're a- we're asking you to text or WhatsApp us a sweet message or a card or an email you've gotten from friends or families or a work colleague or maybe a complete random stranger send it in to us and uh, we'll read them out and then we're going to pick four winners every day okay uh, John Paul is ploughing through them as I speak but that's by text or WhatsApp only please to 0862 103 103 now some of your general texts coming into the programme today hi Patricia can I get something off my chest absolutely that's what we're here for Feel free to get anything off your chest anytime we're on air. It's in regards to this horrendous lockdown, our third in nine months. If lockdowns worked, we would be living a completely different life today. The facts are as clear as daylight. The lockdowns, like we are currently experiencing, to me, are a waste of time. And they're only highlighting that this virus can continue to infect us, even when we're all trying our very best to comply. The answer is starting to become crystal clear to everyone that we must shut our island off from people travelling from every other part of the world. Ban any travel in or out of the country 
without any good reason. And if people have a good reason, then they must do a 14 day quarantining, which must be policed by our National Army and Gardaí in designated hotels. That's if you must travel in or out of the country. After all, our civil rights are already compromised as we are locked down and have been now for the bones of nine months in our own country. And yet the virus is stronger than ever. If our stubborn politicians stop making broader excuses and just man up for us for once, within a month I believe our numbers would plummet and by summertime we'd be back to work, back to school back to our extended family uh, life and our country would be ours to enjoy just for ourselves just until there's worldwide vaccines that everyone would receive and we will see the back of this disaster and the good news is says John our sanity would be saved that's another person who again getting sick and tired of the lockdown but tied in with that just People are so frustrated because there's people coming in and out of the country the whole time. People are just really finding that so, so uh, difficult. And then Anne says, Patricia, the people that are complaining about stuck inside all the time, can't they understand it's a deadly virus and it doesn't take prisoners? They should be grateful that they all have the comforts under their own roof. They should stop and think about all those poor people all over the world who are dying of starvation, dying of violence and disease. And for them, they won't ever see a vaccine. That's from Anne uh, in Ballantemple. Thank you for that, um, Anne. Okay, just let me just quickly check in to see did we get through all of these uh, WhatsApps? There's so many of them uh, coming in. Hi, Patricia. I am posing this uh, question. Why can't we make our own vaccines in Ireland? This is Fran in Ardpatrick. We've got plenty of pharmaceutical industries here. We know what the vaccine contains, etc. So why can't we get our own economy going and just make and distribute it from here? It's a valid question. And I did put it to our doctor who said, yeah, he'd love to see us producing it uh, ourselves. And yes, says Fran, I am on vitamin D and uh, vitamin C. Even though on the vitamin D, another list has a query if the vitamin D is proving to be so good at reducing the effects of COVID-19 has it made a difference in countries which is hot climates as vitamin D is naturally sourced from sunlight which is an abundant in sun, sunny climes uh, I'm wondering would, would, is it making a difference in countries with sunny climes I don't know I don't know I just know that any of the studies I've read is people physically taking vitamin D and it is making it certainly is making a difference on people being out and about Morris says Bally Brannigan Beach car park was full to capacity and cars were parked up all of the roads as well. A lot of Middleton and Cork people were there. Middleton is 50 kilometres away from Ballybrannigan Beach. I don't even know where Ballybrannigan Beach is. And Cork City is 20 kilometres. It's a disgrace, says uh, Morris. People out of the weekend in scenic locations and they are outside of their five kilometre uh, limit. Okay, on the wearing of shorts, just wondering why people are so concerned about men running around in shorts or indeed short sleeved t-shirts. My husband, not a teenager, he wears a short sleeved t-shirt every day of the year, right throughout the winter. He doesn't ever feel the cold, so he doesn't feel the need to put on a jumper or a uh, jacket. Okay, Patricia, I can tell you it's not just young fellas that are going around wearing shorts. There's a lot of old fellas wearing shorts as well. They look ridiculous. It's a yuppie thing, I think. God help us all. (laughs) Hi, Patricia. If I'm driving the five miles into town to just take my 80-year-old mother's wheelie bin in, 
I keep my PJs on. I just throw on a coat over it to keep me warm. I'm in my 50s. I love my PJs. Oh yeah, listen, I've, I think everybody has done that at, at uh, some stage. What I was talking about was the fashion trend of young people and not so young people wearing pyjamas. Remember at one stage, some of the principals of schools were issuing directives to the parents when you were turning up to collect your children. No PJs. You can't wear pyjamas outside the school. And I know certainly in Dublin, I don't know if it was as, as well, it certainly was popular here in Cork. I saw a number of young girls in pyjamas now, can I say, more than more more mature women. But I know in Dublin, there was a number of hairdressing salons and beauticians that were refusing to serve people if they turned up in their pyjamas. It became kind of the in thing. But it just seems to be for younger men, even though some are saying it isn't just younger men, it's other people doing it as well. Uh, this idea of wearing shorts, it's just freezing cold. I can't understand. But then, you know, maybe it's that woman's talking about her husband always has a T-shirt on 365 days of the year. He just is one of those people who just doesn't feel the cold, which is fine. But it seems to be a fashion trend, this idea of the younger men wearing the shorts as the mammy with the two sons in her 20s. They're like tracks, they're thicker. They're not like summer shorts. They're like tracksuit bottoms, but they're just uh, to the uh, knee. OK, that's a question for Annalise. Thank you for that. John, I heard, John says, Patricia, I heard you saying that the vaccines are free. You wait and see. We will pay. Nothing in this uh, life is free. No, they absolutely are free, John. It's like the flu vaccine at Christmas to the asterisk risk groups. They were free to everyone. And people said, no, they won't be free to everybody in the asterisk groups. And they were. And the vaccines, 100%, 100%, they are free. Even some people are questioning why they are free. Someone else wants to know with regards to the uh, vaccine, will there be a generic form of the drug, a cheaper one that they'll keep for medical card uh, patients? Like we have to take cheaper tablets. Uh, I wish we could pay for the vaccine at least. Uh, then we could have the choice. No, there isn't any generic vaccine. It, it, it depends on what company is making the vaccine. That's the one vaccine. And whether you are a pauper or a millionaire, Everybody gets the same vaccine. There's there's different makes of vaccine, but there isn't a generic vaccine that they give to people who are who are on medical cards. That certainly is isn't happening at the moment. And listening to Dr. Mike, our GP, you can't buy your vaccine, and he's getting calls. And I think every GP practice is the same. There's no way of buying the vaccine. The only way you can get the vaccine is through your GP, and hopefully it'll be through your community pharmacist as well. Patricia, the vaccines were out in Dubai, and they've been out since before Christmas. We are late giving our vaccines. Well, the, the government will will say that's the point to the EU. We've got to wait for approval there. Tell that doctor, thank you for acknowledging those who are rarely acknowledged. And I don't know what group you you were talking about because it's. And I don't know what time during the interview he was acknowledging a group of people who felt that they weren't being acknowledged. But yeah, a lot of people were saying, Dr. Mike, that he clarified a lot of things, which uh, certainly is uh, good. Hi, Trish. Read the people who are feeling trapped and not knowing what time of day it is and, you know. Their whole day is worked out by exactly what, what is on the TV and just people just feeling almost pinned in as if they are in prison. One person felt like they, they are in jail. We are all in the same boat. Cocooning since March, but for God's sake, will they all have a bit more patience? Cop on. The alternative is what? Go out and get infected because the HSC, that will cause the HSE more trouble and maybe they could even die. I'm sick of the lockdown too, but I'm more sick of childish whiners going on and on and uh, on.
Hi Patricia, it's Micheál Martin listening to those pe- poor people who are sick and tired of staying indoors and can't go out and believe me, mark my words, this time next year we will be living with the same uh, restrictions and I really hope not. Hi Patricia, there's a family across the park from where I live. They returned from Brazil in the last uh, few days and oh, I think I read that out, didn't I see him out uh, shopping? I think I read that one out uh, earlier. That's shocking. I w- that would really worry the life out of me. Just, John, all I can say to you is keep well away from anyone who you know has travelled overseas and are not abiding by what they're meant to be doing. They're meant to be absolutely restricting uh, their movements. 1850 John Paul taking your calls. You can text our WhatsApp at 0862 103 103. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council's Community Support Programme. If you or anyone you know needs help in accessing non-emergency and non-medical supports or advice, see CorkCoco The staff of Daily Industrial Supply Company, they are aiming to collectively walk, run, cycle, hike and swim 1,200 kilometres during this, the month of January. It's an effort to raise money for the Cork Simon community and you can donate through their Just Giving page. And the priests of Mallow Parish are inviting people to participate in an holy hour of guided prayer with adoration of the Blessed Sacrament every evening, excluding Saturdays, in St Mary's Church at 7.30. It can be viewed on the parish website www.malloparish.ie. Court today on C103 with Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie. Can I go to an email here into the uh, programme? Before I go to that, I just want to go to a text that came in about the shorts. Uh, Mary says, Hi Patricia, I'm a mother of a man in his 30s. My son wears shorts all the time, outside work hour, outside of work hours. I'd just love to know how there's people out there that are upset by men walking around wearing shorts. I think we all have a lot more things we should be concerned about besides men wearing shorts. And that comes in from Mary who has no problem at all with her son going around uh, wearing shorts. Ed Cullum in Boston says I wore shorts non-stop winter, summer and so did my brothers when we were growing up until we were 16. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> Some a different era. I can see no reason why somebody should be upset over it. You get a customised to it. Back in the day, many people wore nothing but shorts and then you graduated didn't you? The big boy trousers and the long trousers came in. Elaine in Mill Street uh, I blame uh, Conal and Norma people <laughs> last year for starting the trend. Since he started wearing the GAA shorts, it's become a trend and now everyone is wearing them. Even though Elaine, I don't think it's the GAA shorts people are rocking around in. I think the mammy of the two boys in her 20s described them. They're like tracksuits but they're just cut uh, at the at the knees. So I don't, I don't think they're Conal's GAA uh, shorts. Okay, I want to get to an email that came in from um, to say, uh, Patricia uh, listening to your show every morning while playing with my two boys and I was hoping you might be able to shed some light on an issue for us. Due to the current situation, me and my husband have decided to move back to our home country of Germany. We've just had a baby in June, congratulations to you, and have now applied for his first passport. As we're living here for nearly 10 years, he's eligible for an Irish passport. For Christmas we posted all of the required documents to the passport office which included our German passports to 
under the oppression that we would have plenty of time and someone would process our son's passport application and she would have it all back in roughly eight to ten weeks. However, I've just found out that no one is working in the passport office during level five restrictions and the web chat told me they will resume processing applications when we get back to level four or lower. But listening to the radio, it seems we'll be in lockdown on until at least March and some are even saying it'll be after Easter. And then I would assume the passport office will have a huge backlog of applications that couldn't be processed earlier. Patricia, would you have any advice on what we can now do? We need all our passports in the spring so that we can sell our house, book our flights, organise a moving company and leave Ireland. We haven't seen our family in Germany now for over a year and no one has been able to welcome our youngest son yet due to the COVID restrictions. But without a passport, we're all stuck. And that comes in from Anne in Carrigalina. We did get onto the passport service and Anne is right. They have what they're calling, they've paused operations uh, in line with the move to uh, level five. And that started on the 24th of uh, December and it was, yeah, I, I'd say, and you just sent it off and then they, they paused all the services. They say, if you've submitted supporting documentation to us, it will be held securely. However, we cannot retrieve supporting documents at this time. We expect to return your supporting documents within 20 working days of resuming operations at level four. If you've not submitted supporting documentation, then please wait. Well, that's no good, Dan. She's already uh, sent it in. Passport online is open to all applicants, including children renewing their passports and those applying for their first passport who are resident in Ireland. These applications will be processed when the passport services resumes operation. But again, that's of no use to Anne. The only thing I can suggest, I mean, that's very clear cut, Anne. Your documents are there and there's nobody touching them because there's nobody working inside in the offices and there's nobody going to go near it until we move to level four. And even when we do move to level four, it's going to be another 20 working days after that before they'll get around to everything that's already, all of the applications that are already gone in. The only thing I can suggest is perhaps getting on to the Department of Foreign Affairs to see if they could help you out. And you're in Carrigaline, so I'm assuming Minister Simon Coveney, who is the Minister of Defence and Foreign Affairs, have you put a call through to Simon Coveney's office? So I would suggest either doing one or both of those, get directly onto the Department of Foreign Affairs, explain exactly what you've explained in your email to us and see if they can help you. Or get on to Simon Coveney's office and see if there's anyone in the office there could uh, help you out. I don't have any other advice other than that. If anybody else wants to throw in their tuppence halfpenny worth as to what Anne can do, all of the documentation, including herself and her husband's passports, so she can't even leave. They couldn't even half decide to leave or the husband decide to leave with one child. Not that I'm even contemplating that they would consider that. But uh, they're kind of stuck. They're in a bit of limbo at the moment. Anyway, try Foreign Affairs or try Simon Coven's office and, and let us know how you uh, get on. We know that Leaving Cert students are in a right pickle at the moment as uh, they don't know whether they're coming or going and whether we'll get more clarification tomorrow when the Cabinet meet. We certainly will get more clarification on the extension of Level 5 lockdown, that's for sure. People are hoping that we'll get more clarification on 
quarantining people coming in and out of the country. Let's wait and see will that happen. But certainly for anyone who is a Leaving Cert student or anyone who is a Leaving Cert student in their house, a lot of people are looking for clarification as to whether the Leaving Cert will go ahead and what format will the Leaving Cert take in 2021. Well, I've had a handwritten letter in to me from one of our young listeners to the programme, a Leaving Cert student, who says, Hi. I'm a Leaving Cert student. I just want to give you my opinion about teachers and SNAs from a student's point of view. Firstly, I feel very bad for them because of the criticism that they have been getting that this was over the teachers and the SNAs last week with the special needs schools uh, not reopening. We start at 10 to 9 every day. And this is a Leaving Cert student. We start at 10 to 9 every day and finish at a quarter to four like every other school day. We've started and finished the same time we would as if we were at school. The only difference is we're working from home. I personally feel a lot of stress at the moment because of the uncertainty with the Leaving Cert but the teachers are doing an incredible amount of work to ensure we are prepared for any situation that arrives arrives, be it predictive grades or not. There is at least between 70 and 80 staff and students in my school and with them giving us assignments and notes and classwork, I want people not to forget that all the work we submit does have to be corrected and teachers have to prepare for the next day classes and between people sending work in at different times and maybe having problems sending work in, teachers are the ones that come up with the solutions to help us get our work sent to them and these teachers don't just have leaving certs they also have all of the other classes first, second, third fifth year etc. I know my cousin is a teacher and she does not finish until seven or eight in the evening and even longer sometimes because of the work she has to correct and getting prepared for the next day. I have an aunt, a brother and a mother who are resource teachers and SNAs and the amount of time they spend coming up with activities to make classes more engaging for younger children with special needs and simply just being there. So they have two members of staff online and to support parents and children by doing Zoom calls. I also know that one of my teachers has a small baby at home and no matter what she man- and no matter what, she manages to keep online to all of her classes and we very much appreciate that. So please, I ask people to give teachers and SNAs a bit of a break because they're only human and they're doing the very best they can. And I know that the reason the government was hesitant about closing schools is, one, because of our education, but I also think it's because of the amount of criticism teachers and SNAs got for doing nothing. And I certainly don't want to go back to school with 800 students and staff not knowing what this virus can do to me or if I brought it home to my family, which one of them has asthma. So please, everyone, be kind. They're all doing their very best. Thank you. And I don't have a name, unfortunately, but that is from one of our Leaving Search students listening to the programme. Uh, great uh, to have her. I'm assuming it's a she, but it could be a he. Great to have that student along. 1850-333-103. OK, I have our winners for today. For our Cool More Cakes, Bakers of Artisan Loaf Cakes in Bandon in West Cork. And we have these wonderful hampers to give away. They really are incredible hampers. There is 12 delicious cakes uh, in each hamper. And what we are doing every day is we are asking you to send us, and it's got to be by text or WhatsApp, uh, a sweet 
a message or a card or an email that you received from family or friends and you send it in and then we will pick out four winners every day. Now I would love as the week goes on if I can try to get time to read out as many of them as possible but literally we got flooded with them today and it was impossible. I was open to read as, read as many of them as I could so my apologies if I didn't well I'm apologising because I didn't get to all of them but anyway we have our four winners for today. Our first one is Hamper is going to Margaret Lordham in Marina Heights in Bantry and she sent me on photographs of care packages that she received from her daughter in Ennis. And Margaret said there was great excitement when the first care package arrived. And then lo and behold, throughout all year these care packages have been arrived to the point that Margaret said they look forward to the postman arriving and she said it was just such a a lovely, kind, sweet thing to do. You have a lovely daughter, Margaret, that is for sure. Well, you've just won yourself in one of those fabulous hampers from Cool More uh, Cakes. Now, Bernadette Hickey is also, uh, I haven't got an address yet, Bernadette. Bernadette is also receiving one of our Cool More hampers because she sent us on. Um, uh, the copy of something her son in Auckland in New Zealand sent, which was a little angel pin and it said, Mum, here is a sweet little angel to watch over you, bringing peace and protection and loving wishes too. It's also a reminder that wherever I may be, you're my mum, my angel, who means the world to me. And oh, that's so sweet. And Bernadette, that kind of got that from her son in Auckland. That is beyond sweet. Beyond sweet. Well done, Bernadette. You've won one of our hampers. And then Rito Flynn sent us on a picture of a calendar of her grandchildren that was sent from one of her children. And it is so sending you a socially distant hug. And every day the calendar it's made up with photographs of her grandchildren, obviously, that Rita is really, really missing. Uh, well done. And then Nora Fleming in Dromahan got this most beautiful note from her grandson. And uh, for that, and for sending that on to us, Nora is also receiving one of our Coolmore Cakes hampers, which contains 12 magnificent cakes. Congratulations. We'll do it all over again tomorrow and every day this week. Your chance to win one of four hampers every day. That's Coolmore Cakes, bakers of artisan loaf cakes in Bandon, West Cork. Cork today on C103. With John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. Annalise Drussell of the Health Hub Times Square in Balancholic uh, joining me. Uh, good afternoon, Annalise. Good afternoon, Patricia. Now, there's a lot of questions in about vitamin D today because I mentioned earlier there was a study out from some Irish doctors, Irish experts are backing vitamin D to prevent the virus. You've been singing this hymn sheet almost since the start. Yeah, absolutely. But I think I, I sing that song every year, Patricia, <laughs> when I always say clock change to clock change. So... We just don't get vitamin D from our food in the winter. Vitamin D is made by the action of sunlight on the cholesterol um, molecule in your skin and that gets converted then to an active form of vitamin D3. Um, and then the animals obviously make it the same and then it's stored in fat. So we don't, like those animals are indoors. First of all, chickens and pigs are indoors all the time. So cows are outdoors a bit, so you might get it from milk and cheese and eating meat in the summertime. But in the winter, they're all indoors as well. So you have to take it in a supplement. And I think it's very important as well for bones, Patricia, 
because uh, there's a lot of osteoporosis in Ireland, but we have plenty dairy in our diet, and I really don't think the problem is a calcium deficiency. I think it's a vitamin D deficiency. And there's been numerous studies since the beginning of COVID that show that the people who seem to end up in hospital or ICU have got low vitamin D levels. So it looks looks like it has a very protective effect against not only just developing, getting COVID, but actually developing serious symptoms from COVID. So yeah. everybody take the vitamin D. And there's studies coming. I've been following studies on this from all over the world, but it was just interesting uh, to see today Irish experts um, coming out, backing it and, you know, actually calling on the government uh, to uh, issue updated guidelines to adults on, on the taking of uh, vitamin D. OK, and then we're getting questions in obviously around vitamin D. Could you ask Annalise, please, should I encourage my parents to take a vitamin D high strength 25 UG daily? They're in their 80s. They're on blood pressure and cholesterol tablets and on calcium tablets as well. Should I be including getting them to take vitamin D as well? Well, a lot of the calcium tablets will have um, the vitamin D in there. I think the Calcitu has got about 800 IUs, which I think is about 20 UG. Um, so they sh- they might be already covered, but if they're not taking vitamin D, absolutely every man, woman and child should be taking it. So regardless of age, and it generally, um, there's very, very, very little drugs that it would interfere with. In fact, I can't think of any at all off the top of my head. So it's safe with all medication. OK, and it's, it's one of the cheaper vitamins, isn't it? I think the government should provide it, actually, Patricia. Yeah. I think everyone, the kids should be given it going into school, well, when they go back to school. But, yeah, it's very cheap. I mean, you can get a six-month supply for about 20 quid of a high-quality um, 1,000 IUs. And that's that's a good dose for everybody. If you've been... If you've, if you've got an autoimmune disease um, or if you've been very prone to being sick, I would go a bit higher. You can get your vitamin D checked in your bloods with your doctor, but it is an expensive test for them to do. And at the moment, they're not doing any unnecessary bloods. So I think you need to use your own discretion. A thousand IUs is good enough for every sort of, you know, teenager and adult, unless you have an autoimmune disease. Young children, they should be on 400 IUs. Um, and you'll get specific ones for them as well. And again, very cheap. And then if you have an autoimmune disease, 3,000 and up should be OK for you. OK, so uh, Kath in Ballonhasic is taking Calcachew D3, 1,000 uh, milligrams uh, one daily. Is that a sufficient amount of vitamin D, thanking you? Absolutely. So um, the, it's, uh, that's 1,000 IUs, which is the 25 UGs. So that's absolutely sufficient for anybody healthy. Okay, question please for Annalise. I have year-round allergies to a variety of things such as dust and mould, including terrible hay fever during the summer months. For years, I used over-the-counter nasal sprays from the pharmacy. Yes, I've tried doctor prescription products too. Is there anything you could recommend to help? There's got to be a different way, says Mara. Yeah, so unfortunately, those nasal sprays, um, if they've, especially if steroids in them, they often have what you call a rebound effect when you stop taking them. So really, they only work as long as you take them and they'll never solve your problem. So you could switch to a natural uh, remedy and a natural nasal spray. The nasal sprays won't have any steroids in them, but what they'll do is they'll just keep help, help keep your nose clear. And then there are various different things that you can take for allergies. Cursetin is a great natural antihistamine and it's a big natural anti-inflammatory and getting a lot of attention with COVID as well at the moment. So you'd get that in any health shop. Stinging nettle is very good for allergies as well. Coming into the summer, there's a lovely homeopathic um, product called Pollinisan, spelled P-O-L-L-I-N, 
A-S-A-N. That's a kind of a combination of different homeopathic remedies for hay fever. But you need to start taking it before hay fever season. So you'd want to start taking it at the beginning of the March. And then the next thing I'd suggest is go and get yourself a very, very good air purifier to have in the house to get rid of the dust and the mould because that will pay itself back with in spades because your life will be so much easier when you're indoors in your own house. Okay, back on vitamin D. People are still querying vitamin D. Can you take vitamin D if you have probable sarcoidosis? Yes, in fact, I would say it's very beneficial because, again, it's one of these great ones that helps with the immune system. Sarcoidosis um, would have an autoimmune component as well. So absolutely very good for anybody with sarcoidosis, yes. And Francis wants to know, is there any way of getting vitamin D through food? You can't get it through food, can you? Not at this time of the year. So you can get it in the summertime. So just like we make vitamin D from the action of sunlight on our skin, so do the animals. And the vitamin D gets stored in the fat. So you get it in cheese, you'll get it in milk, you'll get it in egg yolks, you'll get it in meat, chickens, all of those. But a lot of our animals are indoors all year round and all of our animals are indoors now. So we will not get it from food now. Mary wants to know what's the good way to naturally lower cholesterol? Okay, well, I suppose diet is always the first place to start. Now, cholesterol, we make cholesterol in our liver using saturated fats. So the general um, dietary advice is to cut hugely down on saturated fat. But I'm not a big fan of that approach. And the reason being is that people tend to make up the lack of fat in their diet with a lot of carbohydrates and breads and rices and pastas to fill them up. And actually, that hugely increases triglycerides in the blood, which is just as dangerous as cholesterol for heart disease. So my advice generally is to cut out the sugar first and foremost and then don't eat anything white. So you need brown rice, brown bread, potatoes with the skin on, sweet potatoes, um, try and go for the whole grain pastas. And then plenty of foods that are high in omega-3s. Now the omega-3s can help drive down the bad cholesterol and drive up the good cholesterol. They also keep the blood lovely and thin so they prevent it from clotting. And you get omega-3s in fish, um, the oily fish like salmon, mackerel, herring, sardines, um, those ones, tuna, fresh tuna, or you could take a supplement. And then the vegetarian sources would be in walnuts, pumpkin seeds, linseeds and chia seeds would be the highest sources. So get the diet right first. And then the next thing, if you want to take a natural supplement, you could try is the plant sterols. So these are chemicals plant chemicals that are very similar to cholesterol so when you take them the body already thinks oh I've already plenty cholesterol so the liver doesn't make it however we can't utilize that particular form of cholesterol so it's a way of basically stopping your liver from making um, a lot of cholesterol and you'll get that in your fluoroproactives your benicols but I much prefer to give people a supplement because you need at least 1.6 grams of it a day. So Zero Call is a great Irish-made supplement that you can take. And then the next step up from that is finally is the red rice yeast, which makes a chemical that's very similar in its chemical structure to the statin drug and it's exactly the same action. Um, so there's a variety of different products. One is Cardio K. I sell a huge amount of it in the shop and it works extremely well with little to no side effects. And Higher Nature also do one called Red Sterile Complex. Could you ask Annalise, please, if you can take Angelica Root Extract if you're on a blood pressure tablet and aspirin? Yes, should be fine. And I think for a lot of people, the Angelica Root Extract, Patricia, I was talking about it um, and a few shows about its benefits for 
um, a sensitive bladder, so an overactive bladder, it's very useful for that. So generally, people wouldn't take it all year round. You would take it until you felt the benefits of it and then take a break. So it's safe with nearly all medications. Could you ask, uh, Annalise, this is Jim in Bantry, if oyster extract powder capsules are of benefit for health? I don't know how to answer that one, (laughs) Patricia. I suppose oysters are fab for health, but I'm not sure what they're extracting out of the oysters. So oysters would be very much high in zinc um, and iodine from the sea, plus they're a great source of protein, and you would get omega-3 fats in them as well. So actually eating the oyster would be wonderful. Um, But if you know, when they, I don't know what they're extracting out of it. Is that a particular component? Um, but that, that's why they would be known as um, um, for for um, for libido is because of their their quality with zinc is very good for men's sperm production and testosterone production. What, on back to vitamin D, what vitamin D supplement would you recommend for an eleven-year-old child? So you can get different forms of vitamin D supplements. You can get them either in chewy, chewables or uh, like swallowable tablets, actually three forms, tablets, chewables and sprays. So there'll be plenty in your local health shop. If your kid's good at swallowing a tablet, just give that, that that'll be the cheapest way. But the spray is wonderful. So it's very, very good value. Better you do a spray. And um, there's an Irish company now as well doing a, a vitamin D spray. And they're very, very, very um, palatable for children as well. And question please for Annalise. What is the product she recommends for calming? I sometimes feel overwhelmed at the moment. I feel I need something just to stop myself freaking out, letting all of this COVID panic overtake me. It's from Eileen and Clan. Eileen, you're not on your own. A lot of people get that sense of panic about them. Absolutely, Patricia. And you know what? I'm not selling too many um, supplements for coughs and colds, but I can tell you I'm selling a lot for that, uh, for low mood and for anxiety. It's so common at the moment. Um, So I think there's a number of different things that can help here. The first thing I recommend is something that takes a little bit of time to kick in. But it is, I mean, this is going to continue for a while. So I think it is good to take a long-term approach. It's a herb called ashwagandha. It's spelled A-S-H-W-A-G-A-N-D-H-A, ashwagandha. And I've seen fantastic results here over the years with customers that have got stress-related anxiety. But it takes time for it to work. Rhodiola is another lovely long-term one as well. Um, I always think it's like a gentle ant, you know. It doesn't, you, you don't notice a, a very quick benefit, but when you stop taking it, you realise, gosh, that really was, worth, you know, was, was valuable in my life. So um, the Rhodiola is spelled R-H-O-D-I-O-L-A, and that's another great long-term one. And then short-term, the cannabis oil is fantastic. Um, there's one, Cannabis Gold one is great, and the 10% concentration is very good. It's very high in CBDA, and that seems to have particularly a calming effect. And the lovely thing about the cannabis oil is that it takes 10 to 15 minutes to kick in. So if you feel your anxiety building, you can take it and it'll work very, very quickly. And then the last thing I'd mention is something called L-theanine, which is an amino acid. They isolate it mainly from green tea and it's very good for calm and focus. It promotes our calm and focus neurotransmitters in the brain. So it's brilliant for people studying that are having difficulty concentrating and it's also very good to stop the busy brain if you're lying awake at night thinking and worrying. Okay. All right. Listen, have a lovely week and we'll chat you again next Monday. Thanks, Patricia.
Patricia. Thanks a million. That's uh, Annalise Drissel of the Health Hub, Times Square in uh, Balancholic. And can I finish off on a lovely text has come in from Amanda just wants to share a a story uh, with us. She said I got a lovely surprise at work one day from an old age pensioner as a thank you for helping him out. I'd met him in Tesco in Wilton and he was leaning over a trolley looking a little bit disorientated so I went and asked could I help him are you okay and it turned out he was just after having a hip operation the previous day so I'm assuming he'd come out from the hospital and he was looking for pyjamas as his wife had died in her sleep the night before and she had taken home his pyjamas to wash them. So he suddenly found himself in the hospital across the road from Wilton and he'd no, he'd no pyjamas. So Amanda said, I ran around and I got two pairs for him in Tesco. I was unsure if they'd fit so I went up to Penny's to get some more. I got him a bottle of Lucasade. I sat him down and said, you stay there. I'll do all the running around for you. Wouldn't take any money. It was completely unnecessary. I looked at it as my good deed for the day. But in the course of my conversation earlier, he had asked me where I worked and when I told him I didn't even think that it had registered with him after the funeral didn't he send me a voucher for the Wilton Shopping Centre John you know who you are and you listen to C103 all the time I hope all is good with you now and that you're back walking your dog again and that's from Amanda goodness me well well, two fantastic people there Amanda firstly for seeing that for seeing that John was in distress and needed a little bit of help and poor John coping with that the grief of his gorgeous wife passing away in her sleep he in the hospital needed to get pyjamas you really helped him out but then for the kindness of John having to deal with that come home deal with recovering from an operation and dealing with his wife's uh, funeral and then to take time out to remember you Amanda well done that's a gorgeous gorgeous story okay on that lovely positive note uh, let us leave it there thanks to uh, John Paul McNamara for producing Nick Richards is next and we are back with you tomorrow morning at 10 o'clock until then I'm Patricia Messenger have a very good afternoon and stay safe Court Today on C103 with Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale now part of McCarthy Insurance Group for motor home business Business, farm, life and health insurance, cmig.ie. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for fifty to eighty percent less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at fifty dollars, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.